everyone, welcome into one of our newest shows, Job Search Guide. As the title suggests, we're picking the brains of experienced individuals to help gather tips and advice for the millions of job seekers out there, helping you along the process from start to finish. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today, we're taking a look at the mistakes many people are making when trying to land a new position, but these miscues are often happening without them even knowing it. In a way, there are subconscious barriers. So to give us some details and offer up strategies to combat these mistakes, we have Robert Chen joining us from New York. Robert is an experienced business and life coach, as well as the founder of Embrace Possibility. Thanks for coming on, Robert. No problem, Tim. I'm happy to be here. We're obviously glad to have you on to sort of give our, our listeners some help in this area. As, as you sort of brought up this idea of uh, mistakes that people don't realize they're making, first of all, to give people an idea of where you're coming from, though, Give us a little description of your professional experience, especially as you can relate it to a topic like this. Sure. Well, I've had a very eclectic career, so it's given me many opportunities to look for jobs. And I began my career as an equities trader. And then from there, I moved to China to work in a business management role in a manufacturing company. And when I returned to the U.S., I found myself in a very interesting position to choose what I wanted to do. And after reading a few books on finding your passion, I, I landed on you know, training and coaching really being something I feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started Embrace Possibility. And I think many of the lessons I learned to, to pursue this passion, something that I may not have direct experience with, or it doesn't really reflect my education, I thought was very applicable for people. And I began my coaching business just based on what I found worked from my experience. Sure. Yeah, it definitely is, as you said, a very eclectic sort of uh, career right off the bat for yourself. And and we talk about this idea of mentalities and attitudes, and we'll obviously get into some of the details here shortly. But why why do you think it is so important for job seekers to really examine their own thoughts, their own attitudes, their own behaviors, as opposed to what's going on outside of them, so to speak? Right. That's a great question. And I think attitudes and your thoughts are are really where it all, all begins. I think even before we even talk about behavior, because behavior is based on your attitude and what you're thinking about sure. and how you see the world. And I think with attitudes, the way you see your prospects really affect the way you approach the situation. So if you have a very negative outlook on, on your job prospects, whether it's because of your, your own self-confidence or your outlook on the economy, it'll affect everything that you do and it'll affect everything that, that you're taking in. So it's very important to have a very positive attitude and, and the right mindset. Now, in your experience, I mean, is that something that really has been an issue, this, this lack of self-confidence or just this lack of confidence in either oneself or in the economy, as you mentioned? Is that something that's been rather prevalent uh, just in your experience? I would say when I first started my career, I, I guess I, I was on the opposite spectrum where I had a lot of self-confidence, okay. but lacked the skills to convert that. And All right. I think you know, that, that's what, what, you know, some of the things that we might go into today is what happens when you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I work with many people who lack the self-confidence, who, who, are, who are pretty great in terms of what, what they can do in terms of their personality, but they just don't feel like they can find a job. And that ends up being their reality that they can't find a job because they go into interviews already defeating themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you did bring up the you know the aspect of confidence, and uh, as we look to some of some of these mistakes that you brought up, um, one of the ones that were mentioned by yourself, and I do think it does relate to confidence in a way. I mean, it's not exactly that way, but you mentioned this feeling of entitlement, and, and we'll hear that 
term, especially when it comes to maybe the younger generation sort of feeling like something's owed to them. But when we're talking entitlement with the mistakes job seekers are making and, and this feeling, this attitude, and what exactly do you mean and how does it actually really adversely affect the job seeker? We're talking about entitlement specifically. With entitlement, you touched upon it in terms of the younger generation feeling they're owed something. And I think most people who've graduated either with a college degree or a master's degree feel that they deserve something. And I think when, when I was speaking about entitlement in my article, I was referring to just that, mm-hmm. that the fact that we don't really deserve anything. I think uh, you know, we, we've worked hard. I think we've been sold on the idea that if we go to college or if we get a good education, we'll end up with a job. But it's it's not the case anymore. It might have been the case five, ten years ago, but mm-hmm. in, in this sort of reality that we're faced with now, it's it's definitely not the case. And I think people need to move beyond that, where where they're sort of holding out for their ideal job, as opposed to doing things that can be more productive to helping them get a job. So what happens then if someone is has that sense of, well, you know, I went through all this work, I did what I was supposed to do, and, you know, I should have no problem getting into the workforce. How does that actually affect them in, you know, sort of mistake that they're making or affecting the way that they're able to land that position that they want? That's a, that's a great question, Tim. The big piece here is you have to be honest with your situation, right? If you, if you really deserve this, you have to ask yourself, why haven't you gotten it? And if you don't have a job, which I assume most of the listeners who, who will be joining the show are in, you have to think about what is missing. Because obviously, if I feel that I deserve this, there's something missing that's not allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think being brutally honest about that is the first step to really doing productive things that will get you to what, what you deserve. Because I don't believe you should settle. I don't, I'm not saying that you should just choose any job. I think you should always go for the job that you deserve. But if you're not there right now, it's also saying that something's missing. And you need to be honest with yourself that I need to do something to make up for that or, or to fill in the gap. Do you have any suggestions for, for people who might be in this situation in terms of trying to limit that impact or, or get a, a proper perspective? I mean, can they talk to people? Is there a way to sort of, I don't know, push down that entitlement feeling? I mean, do you have any, any suggestions there? Yeah, I, I think that the most important thing you can do is just take responsibility for your situation. Just look at your situation and realize that you're in the situation that you're in because of all the actions you've taken up to that point. Right. And at the same time, understanding that you can take the action to get out as opposed to waiting for something external to happen, whether it's the economy to pick up or whether it's for your friends to help you or, or building those connections. I think it's taking a very active approach and, and realizing that what's happening to you now is really a result of your actions. No, I think it's a great way to, to put it as far as that active approach. I think that's, that's really perfect when we're talking about that, that entitlement feeling. Another area that you had mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, where people sort of make mistakes or struggle is, is really marketing oneself and that most of the time people do it rather poorly. Are there specific things that you would mention that job seekers do poorly or something they aren't doing that really hurts them in this regard? With marketing, I, th- I think it's something that's it's not intuitive for, for people to market themselves. And we just have to think of it uh, ourselves as, as a business. Hmm. And with all businesses, the way you market yourself is how you, you get people to recognize 
who you are and the value that you have to offer. And the, the classic example of poor marketing is, is the resume. Right? <laughs> I think for most people, our, our resumes are our marketing material, the ads, so to say, that we send out. Sure. But if we look at most people's resumes, they're, they're not like ads at all. They're not sexy. They're not clear. You know, they, it, it becomes an autobiography of, of, of your life, which for the most part is not very interesting to, <laughs> to HR professionals who who are looking at thousands of these every day. Do you have any quick tips I mean, to kind of counteract that? I mean, guys, I think you're exactly right. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. kind of stuff comes up with the people we talk to all the time. But, I mean, is there a way to to get away from that? I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of time here, but any quick tips to offer up? Yeah, sure. I think with resumes, the most important thing I, I, I give to, to my clients in terms of their resumes is to have it tailored to the job that you're looking for. The number one mistake I see is people who have one resume Mm-hmm. Period. Sure. You know, they send it out to every every job that that comes along, and, and it's become really easy online. It's just a click of button. But what you really want to do is spend time looking at the job, the job description, and from the job description, look at the main functions that this job is looking for, and then use those functions to craft your resume so all of your experience fits within those functions. That, that would be one good tip. And, and another is to look at great ads and, and learn from them, right? Keep your resume short, you know, keep it visually appealing mm-hmm. and just be cognizant of the fact that people are going to look at your resume for 10 to 20 seconds. And how are you going to capture their attention? Do you think, again, just especially the people you've worked with and your experiences, are people a little uneasy, unafraid, or afraid a little bit to go outside the box and, and go away from that traditional format? Is that something that hurts people? You, you hit it right on the nail. I think most people, they've either been taught through their career centers at school or from a friend, and most of the advice is very traditional. Right? You should have your work experience and you should list out everything you've done. And I, I think it's Again, it comes back to being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. right? I think if you're not getting the results you want, you have to be doing something different. And at the same time, also being being very conscious of the fact that people these days have very little time. And when I say people, I'm referring to HR professionals who are screening your resume. Sure. And they're not going to understand how your experience fits into the job. And it's your job to to make sure that when an HR professional is looking at your resume, that Right away, they know, okay, this person fits the job because they're not the person usually hiring in, in terms of the technical functions. They're just screening the resumes for, for the manager that they're hiring for. So I, I think traditional approaches could work. They do work. But if they're not working for you, you'll have to do something different. When we look at another mistake that's mentioned, it's really in a similar vein to the marketing aspect, but it's the idea of selling oneself and you know, it could be in a networking situation. It could be in an interview, that sort of thing, especially, I think, uh, that's where people sort of feel uneasy almost doing it. At least, you know, we're uh, in the Midwest here and we talk about that a lot. There's this uneasy feeling about really selling yourself to somebody. What's What would you say is a solution to that or a good way to handle selling yourself without maybe having that, I don't know, a sleazy feel of a salesman kind of thing? Right. This this isn't only common in the Midwest. It's it's common, I think, everywhere I've been, okay. even internationally. And it starts with your mindset. You know, if you think selling is sleazy, 
right away you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's first understanding that everything is is sales. Right? Uh, the way you've you you've found your significant other is you've sold them on the fact that you're going to be a good husband or a good wife or a good boyfriend or girlfriend. If um, whether it's deciding what movie to go to, you've sold your friends on the fact that this is the movie that is going to appeal to everyone. And I, I think it's just understanding that sales is it's all around us. It's very natural. And to get away from the, the fact that selling is sleazy, because to be honest, I think when most people think of sales or, or selling, they're thinking of offering someone some, something they don't want. Sure. And that's not what you want to do. So in terms of improving your selling, first is understanding that it's natural to do it. You're already selling. And now how do you apply those same skills to selling yourself to an employer? And it, it really comes down to one thing, which is understanding the needs of, of the other person. Right? What is your employer looking for? And assessing if you're, you're a good fit. If you are a good fit, then you sell. If you're not a good fit, you shouldn't sell. Hmm. So if you, if you don't fit the job, that you're applying for, you shouldn't be going for that job because you won't be able to offer a win-win opportunity. I mean, so it sounds like it really does come down to the individual, sort of that self-awareness piece and, and all these things really fall into that, that side of things. We're really understanding yourself first. Yes, yes. It all comes down to you taking both action and responsibility for your results. And if you're in a situation where a lot of people I work with are, are people who've been in the job market for, for a year mm-hmm. plus, and, and they're just having so much trouble. And what I hear from them all the time is, well, you know, the economy's bad, so there's nothing I can do about it. And I think once you start thinking that way, you've already defeated yourself because then you're just waiting. And <laughs> employers are not going to knock on your door and say, hey, you know what? You look perfect. <laughs> come come aboard. Because there are so many people who are qualified looking for jobs. So it becomes really being able to present yourself in a way that is going to be appealing. At the same time, just continuously taking action. And and if you're not in a job, look for ways to build your skills. Because if you don't build your skills, you don't you're not valuable to right. an employer. When we talk about some of these mistakes, are there different industries or, or different areas of work that you see this happening more like for one reason or another i don't know if it would be a mindset thing um or is this sort of across the board based on your experience yeah it's it's been across the board i think in in terms of the the feeling of entitlement i i, I find that it's more prevalent in the service industries hmm. because i think the higher you go in education the the more entitled you feel sure and you know it's it's natural it's natural you've put in all of this effort you've invested all of this money and at the end, you, you, you feel like you, you should get something out of it. And when you don't, you almost want to wait for something better to come along before you settle. And I think it's just getting past that and understanding that no matter where you start, you're going to move up as long as you continuously uh, work on your skills and continuously offer value. So to get back to your question in terms of industries, I, I think it's prevalent across all industries. It's, it's more individual specific. Mm-hmm. I think it's really the person that's looking for, for a job that's struggling. I think that's who the article is, is really written for. I think for people who don't have trouble, they don't really see these mistakes because they, they've had it easy, so to say. Right. But for the people who are struggling, I would really look at these three aspects, whether it's your, your own feeling of entitlement, whether it's the way you market yourself, 
or the way you sell yourself as things that you can improve on. Let's talk about that just briefly. You mentioned, obviously, you were working with many individuals who are struggling for one reason or another. Can you let us know of a specific circumstance where you really saw one or multiple of these mistakes happening and you were able to sort of turn around and it was able to get them a job or where previously it was costing them, uh, you know, getting these positions, at least in, in your viewpoint, just sort of to give people an idea of how it might have looked or how, how it might have worked. Sure. I think due to sort of client confidentiality, what I can do is talk about my own experience. I think I'm, I'm the perfect example of, okay. of making, making these mistakes. I think in the beginning of my career, now, I had a, a strong resume and you know the economy was good, so it, it wasn't difficult to get interviews. What I was experiencing was difficulty converting the interviews in, into job offers. Mm-hmm. And I think that came because of the fact that I, I was bad at selling myself. I thought, you know, my resume, my merits should speak for themselves. But at, at the end, it doesn't. I think um, as as I learned more about the interview process and really thinking about okay, why didn't I get a job offer for this? And why did I get a job offer for another job? I realized it was, it was the way I presented myself and also that the understanding that I've had of companies that are looking to hire. Because once you get into the interview phase, you should feel confident to know that they think you're qualified right? or else they wouldn't ask you for the interview. right? They've looked at your resume and according to your resume, you look qualified. So in the interview, what they're doing is confirming that your resume is, is, is real and you've really had these experiences. But more importantly, they're looking to see if they like you. They're looking to see if I hired this person and he comes in Monday morning, do I want to work with him? Sure. And I, I think most people lose sight of that. They just go in and then talk about all of their experience, talk about you know, all the things that they've done, and they don't make themselves likable. It, it becomes more of an uh, interrogation than, than a conversation. You know, I've found that I was converting more more interviews into job offers once I turned the interview stage into a conversation where I went in with some preparation, understanding the company, at the same time asking questions. So instead of them vetting me, I was also vetting them to see if they were a good fit for me. And I found that having that two-way conversation and interview really helped me to to convert. And I think it comes from from the mindset of, how do I help this employer achieve their goals as opposed to how do I help myself get a job? And of course, if you're uh, you know, someone like you, you can just go ahead and start your own business as well. That always works. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think uh, that's always a good option. There's a huge <laughs> movement for that right now. And it's not a bad idea. If, if you can't find a job, start something on your own because that adds to your resume, mm-hmm. right? I think uh, the fact that you're not just sitting and and spending so much time online applying to jobs, do something that's going to build the skills that you're looking to offer to your employer. Well, as we look to wrap things up here a little bit, and obviously you've gotten plenty of good information here, but would you have a final sort of message to give to job seekers, you know, advice or tips, just as a a nice takeaway with this conversation that we're having in terms of these attitudes, these feelings, and, and how not to really sabotage your own job search? Yes, I, I definitely have a, a few takeaways. I'll keep it brief. The most important thing is to stay positive. I know it's difficult if, if you've been been experiencing difficulties in, in your job search and it's been been a long time. It's easy to get discouraged. And, you know, it's it's just keeping in mind that the past isn't your future and staying positive. 
at the same time, taking responsibility for your situation. Really look at how you're spending your time and being honest with whether this is the best way to spend your time. And look to begin building skills every day, you know, spending an hour or two building the skills you, you want to build, whether it's in sales, whether it's in accounting, whatever skill you want to get hired for, build that skill somehow, whether it's through volunteer work or interning. So that's what I would leave with you with the listeners here. Well, Robert, uh, definitely, I said, great information, plenty of good advice. Unfortunately, we are out of time on this episode here on Job Search Guide, part of LJN Radio. As we've been examining sort of the mistakes individuals are making in their quest for those new positions, often without realizing it, as we've talked about, our expert guest on the subject has been Robert Chen, founder of Embrace Possibility. Robert, thanks again for your perspective on this subject. We definitely appreciate your insights. Oh, thank you for having me, Tim. This was a great interview. Of course, we're always interested in hearing from you, the listener, as well. So please drop us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for this or any of our shows on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.